All right, HCC, how you doing? It's good to see you. First weekend of 2024, you're here. It's great to see you. I'm glad you're kicking off this new year together with us. I want to welcome you guys here in Powell Auditorium. For those that are watching online, we're glad you're here with us this weekend as well. It is a different kind of weekend, and, and we're kind of used to that. That's kind of been the HTC culture over the last few years, is that we kind of kick off the year with some things of just kind of sharing with you. This is where we believe God is heading. We're actually going to do something as well, where we're going to begin. You just saw a video. We're going to dive into just even the first couple of verses of 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible, you can find your way there. Hang on to that for a while, but you're going to hear a little bit um, from our directional team as we kick off 2024. Let me first say this. We've been giving you updates on GoFund Kingdom, nine projects that were uh, raising funds of $100,000 to give away completely to all of them, fully funded in 2023. You guys did it. Great job. Really, really grateful for your generosity. And this week, our staff who have those connections to those folks were able to make those phone calls. Hey, everything is fully funded. Let's get that check to you. Let's get going with that project. So that's just so fun. That's just one of the funnest things on our staff is when you get those opportunities to tell people we get to be a blessing to you in a really practical and profound way. So again, thank you so much for your generosity. What I'm going to do is I want to begin just our time to share a little bit of the foundation of what we're, why we're sharing this information with you. We've literally been waiting eight months It was last April in 2023 that our directional team got away. And we had been praying and processing, asking God this question, God, what do you have? What what do you want to lead High Desert Church into, into this next season? And it was good because our desire is never to say, here's our plan. God, would you please bless it? We go, God, what is your plan? And we want to run after that. And so that began to be in our hearts. And one of the things that was on my mind was, uh, it was, I think, last summer or fall uh, of actually 22, we had done a short series just going over our purpose statement and over our four core values, because we just wanted to remind ourselves, these things matter to us, and it's worth just repeating on a consistent basis to kind of gird that up. And it reminded me in that season how much I love and value our purpose statement. I know you know it. So say it with me. It starts preparing every generation. To change. Yeah, exactly. Preparing every generation to change their worlds for Christ. And it's a mouthful, but it's so good and it's so rich and it's so much about what we've been about and what we believe we want to keep being about. However, I will say this, things that I can't readily bring to mind typically don't have a great influence or impact in my life. It's the things that are memorable that I can bring to mind and then be able to kind of remind myself of something or just kind of set my mind and be aligned in that moment. So one of the things that I was thinking through along with Pastor George and Pastor Kurt was, is there a a shorter version of that purpose statement that still communicates the heart of what that is, the meat of that statement that maybe is more memorable? And the good news is we came up with something that I think really is that. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. It is preparing generations of world changers. Preparing generations of world changers. Would you agree that's a little easier to remember? Yeah. Would you say it with me? Preparing generations of world changers. That is a nine word, eight word purpose statement, all condensed into three big thoughts. And it was those thoughts that we began really praying about and, and asking God, when we think of vision, vision can mean a lot of things. Sometimes it's go take a new hill. 
go after that thing that we've been waiting or that we just sense God is calling us to. Other times a vision can be about let's build up and bolster what is lacking or what, we really is, what really matters to us is, and is important. And it was those three concepts, preparing generations and world changers that we really began praying a lot about, really began sensing that that was really the direction of what our initiatives should embody going into 2024. So from April, We'd been praying and processing in January and February and March, but when we got away, we began to put some skin on these ideas. And so from April until now, we've been working diligently on these initiatives that we're gonna share with you tonight. I'm really excited. We got to share these back in September with our board and staff, and it was really great to be able to get input from them and sense, man, those things are exciting. Let's go get those. So I'm excited to be able to kind of ripple those out to you tonight. So what you're gonna hear, you're going to hear three things. You've already, you've, you've already heard the bedrock, the roots of where this comes from. We're going to share with you each of the three initiatives, one wrapped around the idea of preparing, one wrapped around the idea of generations, and one wrapped around the idea of world changers. And you're going to hear specifically how we as directional team members plan to invest ourselves in those initiatives because each one of us has taken some ownership around one of those initiatives and is really doing a lot of work in that particular area. And, and we're excited to be able to share with you not only what we've been doing in preparation, but the execution of it in 2024. And then what we'll wrap up with as we're um, gonna finish our night, we'll get into First Peter and give ourselves a chance just to get a, a little glimpse of a book study that's gonna take us the first four months of 2024. So I'm really excited to dive in. You'll note tonight, we keep talking about the directional team. We keep talking about Pastor Kurt. It is an empty chair. Oh, there it is. Um, Pastor George tonight is gonna do his part of the presentation. Pastor Kurt got sick midweek and we're hoping he might be well enough to be here tomorrow, but definitely was not a good idea for him to try to come tonight. So Pastor George is gonna cover Pastor Kurt's information first, then his own, and then I'll be back with you. So would you give Pastor George a big welcome to come up and share? Thank you. I don't always get this opportunity and I'm very grateful to be here with you. And um, we're gonna start with that first thing. Pastor Todd told us, preparing generations of world changers. And Pastor Kurt is taking the lead on the preparing. If you have been on a study trip or in a class that Pastor Kurt teaches here at HTC, I've had the privilege of doing that, you know that he loves to do this. He loves to prepare people. And what he wants to do before we talk about HDCU, because preparing is going to uh, contain a part that is, we're going to call HDCU, but I think it's good that we would step back a minute and talk about what preparing is at HDC. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 to 29, Paul, speaking of Jesus, says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That is a synopsis of what preparing looks like. Paul's mission as a leader in the early church was to present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is the essence of what we mean by preparing at High Desert Church. Maturity, maturing simply means to be like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And that maturity that includes a transformation of our hearts, 
a transformation in the way we think and also in a transformation in the way we act. And Jesus is the only one that can accomplish that. We're told in the writer of Hebrews that Jesus is the pioneer, beginner of our faith, and he is the one that also is the perfecter of our faith. I thought you were looking at me. No, that, okay. I I messed up up already. (laughs) Maturity simply means, like I said, to be more like Jesus. And that's something Jesus Christ can accomplish. And we all need to grow in our faith and we partner with what God is doing in our lives as we move forward in our maturity. And it's also something we as leadership at HDC want to do as partner with you as you become more and more like Jesus Christ. So there's three things in that passage in the book of Colossians that we do that's part of our preparing ministry. The first is to proclaim. We proclaim Jesus. We declare, we make much of Jesus at HDC. That's why the message of the gospel is included every single time we talk at HDC. Every event, every ministry opportunity, we unashamedly proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We want to proclaim Jesus because people in our world desperately need salvation. But we, not ju- we don't just proclaim Jesus, we also admonish. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing. That was that second thing that the Apostle Paul mentioned in Colossians chapter one. Admonishing really means to warn you. To say, whoa, wait a minute. The path that you're on, the way that you're going, that's going to lead to danger and destruction. Sometimes it's a reminder of the lies we tell ourselves. Other times it's a reminder of the lies that are being told to us by our society. And because we love you, we want to gently remind you and admonish you about what God has to say. We admonish you because there are dangers in this world and those threaten our growth and our maturity, our spiritual lives. And then finally, as Paul laid out in that Colossians 1 passage, we proclaim, we admonish, and we teach. And think about it this way. If admonishing is warning you, about where not to go, teaching you is about instructing you in the direction you should be going. It wouldn't make a lot of sense if we just told you, don't go that way, don't go that way. And at some point, it would be right for you to ask us, which way am I going? And teaching is saying, here's the direction, here's where you're going to be more like Jesus Christ. That's the fun thing. Honestly, as a pastor and been here a long time, I, I don't, I don't really enjoy the admonishing part of my job. I love the teaching that this is how we can all be more like Jesus Christ. And we teach you because God is worth knowing and loving more. Amen? God is worth knowing and loving more. So we proclaim, we admonish, we teach so that every one of us can discover God's plan for our lives and live that reality out day to day. It's not a message of truth that we know just in our heads. It's a message that we put into practice in our daily lives. And that's why wisdom is so important if we are actually going to prepare generations of world changers. Now that's a brief overview of what preparing actually means when we say preparing at HDC. And we are going to continue to prepare you in many ways. Let me just tell you how we do that. Number one, we do that through engagement. And and what that really means is connection to HDC. We have rooted as a great first step to connect 
to HDC. We have our membership class. Tell you what it means to be a partner here. We have our local outreaches, the rescue mission, the Rosa share, things that we do to engage our community. And we also have global missions. Another way we prepare you is through our campus life. That's the praise and worship that we've enjoyed this evening as we come together as a body of believers. The preaching of God's word, even as Pastor Todd will begin our series in 1 Peter. The ordinances, baptism, communion. Serving others, using your gifts to serve in ministry. And then the fellowship we share when we are at community events and gatherings. Another way we prepare at HDC is our care ministries. Because sometimes we're not in that path to maturity because of events that have come up in our lives. And that's where shepherding and counseling comes in. Support in recovery groups. Even our benevolence funds that help so many families at HDC that have financial needs. Our ministry to seniors and shut-ins, the support they need. Even our mental health ministry, that's a way we prepare people. And then we have growth. Those things that we are hoping that would grow you, the way we instruct in our kids' ministries, the way we instruct in our student ministries, the growth groups that I hope you are a part of, retreats, conferences, marriage enrichments, men's and women's ministries, all those are part of the way that we have and are continuing to prepare you at HDC. But starting in January, Pastor Kurt is going to lead something new that we are calling HDCU. And these will be seminars that will happen on monthly basis on Sunday afternoons from three to five. We're actually going to provide childcare for those things. And Pastor Todd, at the end of our time together, is going to give you an instruction on how you can even register for those events coming up January 21st. But these seminars are going to help you grow deeper in what God's word says. Lots of folks in our society and even in this church family lack a solid foundation in their faith. Many listen to the cultural voices that are simply not true. Or they'll listen to personal opinion over the word of God. And we hope that we can enter into compelling conversations with you as we instruct through the word of God. So we're gonna be providing seminars under three ministry umbrellas and I'll work through these quickly. Number one, Bible and theology. So those seminars will help you engage in your understanding of theology. We'll talk about God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, salvation, the church. There'll also be training in the Old Testament, New Testament, apologetics, church history. So many things will fall under the bucket of Bible and theology. Family and relationships. These will explore what God says about the most meaningful relationships that we have. Seminars will target key Things like marriage and parenting and grandparenting. Maybe uh, healthy habits like finances, diffusing conflict, overcoming hurtful habits, anger, anxiety. To help you and your family love and follow God. And then the third bucket is discipleship and formation. We want seminars that will target issues like developing spiritual rhythms or habits. Learning to share your faith, discovering and using your spiritual gifts, standing strong against temptation. We'll be addressing relevant cultural and social issues in our days and talk about them through a strong biblical lens. Membership seminars and so many things will be part of that bucket. But as we proclaim, encourage, and teach at HDCU, we believe we will take another step 
in order to prepare you in your walk to be more like Jesus Christ. And so like I said, you'll have a chance to register for those and Pastor Todd will explain that to you. But I wanna thank Pastor Kurt for an amazing presentation right now and welcome Pastor George up to the stage. Did he do good? Did Kurt do good? Yeah, he's well done, Pastor Kurt. Oh, thank you. And by the way, seriously, I hope he feels better soon. I, um, my name is Pastor George. Did you know that? Um, I have this opportunity, as Pastor Todd talked about preparing generations of world changers. I am so excited that I have been given the opportunity to invest in the next generation of world changers. You know, HTC has uh, four core values, truthful, helpful, durable, and enjoyable. And I just want to key on that durable core value. And, and this is the way it is defined for our purposes. Prepared world changers are committed to a durable church that will be great 100 years from now. It's a great concept. It's a worthy goal. But what does it take to make that a reality? That's what Pastor Todd, Pastor Kurt, and myself have been praying about. And I don't know if you noticed this, but some of us on this stage are not getting any younger. I was talking about Pastor Todd. I recently searched the internet on the topic of generations, and I know there are many variations on the names given to generations and the ages, but for this weekend's conversation, I'm gonna use the ones that are on your screen. The greatest generation, they were born 1901 to 1927. The silent generation, 28 to 45. Baby boomers, 46 to 64. Gen X, 65 to 80. Millennials, 81 to 96. Gen Z, 96 to 212, and Gen Alpha is 213 to 2025. In case you haven't been up on the generations and the terms, that's the generations. And the reason that I bring this up is we as leaders have to face the reality of our times. In the American National Family Life Survey, it was just recently conducted, participants were asked if their families attended religious services on a regular basis. Basically, the question was, did you guys make church a reality? So if the boomers were asked the question, they were asking it about the silent generation before. Did your parents, did they make church a, a, an important priority? Look at the statistics. The silent generation said only 58%. Boomers, 57%. Gen X, 52%. Millennials, 45%. Gen Z said only 45% of them would say that their parents made church attendance a priority. And look at the results of that. When the generation said, do you identify as a Christian? Now we know that they probably all aren't, but this is the question. Would you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, 84% of the silent generation said they were. 76 in the boomers, 67 in Gen X, 49 in the millennials. And look, Gen Z, 36%. These statistics are concerning to us as leaders because this is important. The command to build Christ's church has never been rescinded. Jesus didn't take that back. In Ephesians 4, it says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his peoples for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's what Pastor Kurt is gonna be talking about maturity, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The need for leadership in Christ's church will never be finished, ever be finished until Christ returns for his church. 
You know, as Paul was talking to Titus, a young protege, he said, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul told Titus, man, you've got to have elders, godly people that are going to be leading the church. And at HDC, Pastor Todd, myself, Pastor Kurt, we know we don't create the call to ministry, but we do believe we can help fan that into a flame. Paul told Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy and I am reminded of your sincere faith. Look at this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you. I love the generational component to that, godly grandmother, godly mother, and now we have Timothy living out a call to ministry. And while Paul was not Timothy's biological father, he definitely was his spiritual father. And look what he says in verse six. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And we have another insight in 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I mean, what an incredible picture. I want you to know that this young leader, these other seasoned leaders notice something in him. They invest in him, they lay hands on him and commission him to the gospel ministry. And in the first century, that call was not taken lightly. This needed to happen because all the seasoned leaders were actually being killed. They were being martyred because they followed Jesus Christ. And while that's not our current reality in America, can I say that apathy is a general lack of desire to follow God's calling? My story is I've been a leader here at HDC for over 38 years now. During that time, I finally responded to what I knew was God's calling in my life. And it's been 35 years for me standing here that a group of men laid hands on me and appointed me to be an elder and to lead the ministry here at HDC. And I've been blessed to have godly men in my life that have fanned that into a flame and been a part of my calling that's been burning in my heart for almost 40 years here at High Desert Church. And so I'm excited to pay that forward in what we call, or now calling, HDC Next. And wait till you hear this. This is gonna be so cool. HDC Next is a residency program that will run on a semester system and provide students with theological education, practical ministry education, and hands-on experience. They will have a chance to be a part of our staff team. They'll gain insight from inside the system in a broad spectrum of ministry experience. Now, our program's gonna target students that have graduated from high school, that we have seen a calling or they have sensed a calling you know, on their lives and we wanna help fan that into flame. We're hoping that we can help them explore a vocational calling before they head off to college and accumulate a lot of debt when they're not even sure the degree that they are eventually needing to pursue. And although this program is going to target those young students just out of high school, we're not limiting it to that. 
We know there are others that might be in a second career situation in their lives and they may want to be a part of this program. It's not for people that just want to work at HTC. That wouldn't be a reality for everyone. But it's for people that we want to help fan into a flame in the calling in ministry. This first semester's education will include doctrine of scripture, doctrine of God, doctrine of Christ, doctrine of Holy Spirit, and doctrine of humanity and sin. The ministry track is going to include classes on calling, leadership development, spiritual gifts, ministry programming, and so much more. The program commitment is going to be 15 hours per week and contain about two-thirds education, one-third practical ministry experience. We have three residents that are starting our pilot program on January 21st. Please be praying for that. I am so excited about that. And this is a pilot semester, and we will repeat this in September. And Pastor Todd, once again, is going to say how you can sign up and show an interest if you want to be a part of this residency program. Would you guys thank Pastor George? What a great job. Now, by the way, when we did this material with our board staff, we each had a half an hour to just kind of paint this big picture. So Kurt did a great job condensing that down to 10 minutes, Pastor George on his behalf and then doing his own part in that window. So just know there's a lot to these, but for our purposes this weekend, we needed to be concise to at least give you a, a glimpse as to what we're working on and what we're so excited about. HDCU, especially gonna culminate in these class offerings uh, once a month beginning in January or later this month. HDC Next, the development of ministry leaders both for HDC leadership pipeline and for the big C church in general. And then the third one that I'm sharing, High Desert Church related to what do we do with our, our main mission in 2024, world change is gonna look like HDC change. And let me explain what I mean by that. HTC changes in your notes. Listen to this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter five. Since then, verse 11, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and listen to this great line, not counting people's sins against them. That is great news, right? That even though we understand that we're not uh, right before God, God did something to make that right for us on our behalf. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I love this verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When I came to HDC in 2002, it was very short into that season that I recognized this whole thing of oikos is really important here. A lot of churches say things are important but tend to never talk about them, so you then rightly so need to question, maybe that's not that important. But it's really important, and even when I left to go lead at another church, I told them, I bleed this, and this is really important to me because I think this is how God continues to expand his kingdom one life at a time through our relationships. 
So this idea of oikos has been a huge deal at High Desert Church, it will continue. But can I just be a little vulnerable with you? I come back almost two years ago, April of 21, and as I just began to interact with people, just began to kind of watch, I just had this sense about me that, and I think for a lot of factors, things like COVID, things like a lot of challenges that people were facing, I felt like oikos related to the unbelievers in our world, those who are not convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that we just weren't engaging with those people in our lives the way we had before. It was just a hunch. And I have found over the years that my hunches, my gut tends to be half the time right and half the time wrong. So I didn't wanna do anything out of a hunch. So I began to kind of process and go, maybe this is true, maybe there's a reality that we love the concept of oikos. And we'd love to be a part of a church that is seeing people come to Christ consistently. Baptisms we celebrate in the right kind of way because it is rich and is so cool. But how much are we personally engaging with the unbelievers in our worlds? Maybe, and I have this question for you in our notes, have we just found it more comfortable and less awkward to consider ourselves to be world changers, though we primarily or even exclusively invest in relationships with people who are already saved? You know, our eight to 15, we would include people who love Jesus and are following him and those who don't. So let's just say generally, if I had 12 people in my, my oikos and let's say eight of them are believers and four of them are not, am I just consistently finding it easier to connect and encourage and be with this group of people and less motivated to be with those that I have some things not in common with? It's most significantly my faith. And I just began to wonder about that idea and I wanted to move past a hunch to try to get some understanding. So I so appreciate 45 of our staff members. I just said, can I, can I ask you some questions and you help me understand if this is true or if I've just kind of got a hunch that's in left field and not accurate. And they took a survey for me that began to ask some questions about, it began the first few, what is your understanding of Oikos? And knowing it's our church staff, I thought that would be very high. The second set of questions was more about, are you engaging in these things related to your mission, related to your oikos? And then the third one was specifically, how is it going relating to and connecting with unbelievers in your world? Those were the, the, the survey was broken down into three sets. Take a look at this picture. This is the way that their survey results turned out. And you'll note that this is at, each question was at a rank of one to five. So the results were almost at the high, for sure the highest of all related to a staff knowledge. We get it. We understand the theory of Oikos. Then you look at the green box, our engagement, like a lot of things in our lives, we know more than what we do. That's, that's to be understood, but it's that third one, that red box I really want you to pay attention to, that consistently the 45 people we surveyed, which by the way, included Pastor George, included Pastor Kurt, included me, had a significant drop off related to the personal engagement of unconvinced unbelievers in our oikos. And my hunch began to take a little bit more shape. Maybe this is true. 
But surveying our staff only isn't really the best cross section. So last October, a couple months ago, you guys were amazing, 471 of you did an, uh, the exact same survey online for me so I could kind of go, let's see how, how true these, this data is related to our church family. Take a look at the results. They look exactly the same in terms of the steps. The numbers are a little different, but the highest one, we have a good working knowledge of Oikos. Secondly, we do less than what we know, but we're doing some things, being intentional in our world. But then drop down to the last, a significant disparity between those that we're connecting with and engaging that are unbelievers in our world. And my reason for bringing this up to you is not to shame on you and guilt trip people. I never do that because it's just a, a hopeless way to try to motivate people. But by the way, look at the last slide. The last slide has these two compared. You'll see one set of numbers with the other, but even though the numbers themselves are different, the, the steps down are all the same. So it's just true of us. It's true of the almost over 500 people that took this survey from High Desert Church. And, and me, what it draws me to do, I wanted to first say, is my hunch accurate? If it's not accurate, then don't spend time with it. But if it is, now what do we do about it? Because there's something that we can say, hey, by and large, we're not engaging with the unbelievers in our oikos like we used to. For those of us that are new to HGC, it might not even be anything about what we've used to do. We just didn't know that was really important or we don't know how or fill in the blank. So what I wanna do is I wanna go, you know what? Let's do something to address that issue head on and not just kind of look at each other like, well, I don't know, it's uncomfortable or it's hard or it's whatever, fill in the blank. Let's actually, for those who want to grow in this area of your life, grow in this area of your mission, let's actually do something about it. Take a look in your notes that you got on the way in today. You'll see a brand new Oikos card. And here's what I want you to do. You don't have to do it right now, but I want you to do this before Monday. Before you start this week, I want you to write your people on your card. What was so powerful, I was at lunch with Pastor Tom a couple months ago. I wish he had heard this presentation at the board staff. And as we were getting ready for this event, he just said, Todd, here's the deal. I still get to coach a lot of pastors and a lot of churches in all things Oikos. And he said, at the, at the end of the day, what I have found to be the most significant actionable step is if people will write down the people in their relational world, their eight to 15, and not just write them down, but commit to consistently pray for them. I want you to know this, on my card, I have two couples who aren't following Jesus yet. Very intentional. I have more space that I can include more. I want you to be that intentional. And some of you would say, Todd, I don't have a lot of contact with people who don't follow Jesus at this time. Can I tell you this? Can you begin to pray about being creative? Can you begin to pray about, God, would you bring relationships into my life with people who don't know Christ yet that I could begin to love and pray for and be a person of Jesus' influence? As I see blanks on my card, would I begin to pray, God, would you bring these people into my life? I wanna be your ambassador to them. This is where it starts. I challenged our staff with this this week that we're gonna do our cards and we're gonna be thoughtful, especially about those who haven't placed their faith in Christ yet to really be intentional, even beyond just the typical standard things we do. God, how can I step into some new spaces with them? The second part about this initiative 
is that I'm really excited. I've invited some people to be a part of a, a think tank, a cohort that are gonna begin working with me. What I love, you heard Pastor George share about this HDCU and even how HDC Next connects on those Sunday afternoons. My group is gonna meet on Sunday afternoons as well, about 20 of us. And our whole goal is to collaboratively develop training materials for those who want to grow in this area of reaching unbelievers in their oikos. We're gonna use January to May to develop that class so that by the time we hit the fall and all these are offered again, we're gonna invite you to come and be a part of that. And so I'm excited. I love doing things collaboratively and this is a real great cross section of our church and we're gonna, I'm so excited to work with them and prayerfully consider, God, how do we help High Desert Church grow in this facet of our mission? And so I'm stoked. You'll hear more about that along the way. And then finally, the third thing that you can expect in 2024 is a partnership something that we're going to do together as a church that's gonna create opportunities for you to connect with the unbelievers in your world. I am just at the seminal stages on that. I don't have any more to share with you, but I want you to know it's coming and I want you to keep your ears open for it. Now, like Pastor Kurt or George said earlier, there is an actionable step. I love that our Christmas series was so filled with, here's the thing, you can do this. In your notes, you see the word invest and you can text that to 64567. Here's what we're gonna do. I loved our comm team came up with this, just as an incentive for the first 20 people that sign up, when you do invest to 64567, um, you're gonna get three options. One's gonna be HDCU, one's gonna be um, HDC Next, and then HDC Change. For HDCU, it'll take you to a spot where all three of our classes that are gonna be offered January 21st, you can register for them now. The first 20 people to register for every class are gonna get a shirt like this. This is a pre-shirt that we're gonna use uh, for High Desert Church all across the board, but you'll get a first crack at this, and we'll send that to you as a thank you for signing up. So invest and it'll take you to HDCU and you can choose which of those three classes you wanna do. The first 20 people per class, we're gonna send you a shirt as a thank you for getting the ball started. But for HDC Next, if you're interested in being a part of this residency beginning in the fall, text that same word, invest, to 64567. Click on HDC Next and you'll be on an interest list for our first session officially in the fall. And the same thing for HDC Change. Text the word invest to 64567, pick that, and you'll be on an interest list for when we offer the training track beginning in the fall. Okay, make sense? Those are our initiatives. We just wanted to give you a big glimpse of what we're after, and then you'll begin to hear more along the way. Would you guys thank Pastor George and Pastor Kurt uh, for his, their part of the presentation? Thank you, George. Did a great job. Well, let's do this. I had told you we were gonna dial in to the book of 1 Peter. I am so excited about this series. Number four in your notes tonight. In 2024, we wanna equip you to live like the elect exiles that you are. In 2024, we wanna equip you to live like the elect exiles that you are. I'll explain those two terms. If you have your Bible open, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, 
to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. We're just gonna kick off this series tonight with just these two first verses. I just have a few minutes with you, but I wanna get our heads and heart around some really big ideas that we're gonna delve into over the next four months. And I'm so excited that we're gonna have this guy, Peter, as our guide, as it were, to teach us some things that are gonna be so incredibly practical and useful in our lives. Let's talk about this guy out of the gates. He's known in the gospels. We become acquainted with him. His brother, Andrew, who is a follower of John the baptizer, introduces Peter to this guy named Jesus. You might see him in the gospels sometimes as Simon, sometimes as Cephas, and sometimes as Peter, which he's known for the most. This is the human author of this book who God used to pen these words. And I want you to think about, when you think of the scope of who he is in the gospels and in the book of Acts, Think about these highs and lows that Peter experienced. For instance, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter's in this group with his disciples and he clearly says, Jesus, you are far more than a good teacher. You are the Messiah. He makes this radical, huge statement. You're the one that God promised generations ago. We believe you're him. But it would actually be in that same chapter when Jesus was saying he was gonna go to Jerusalem and die. Peter said, oh no, but you can't do that. And Jesus said, your advice is satanic. Wow. High, low. Peter was a guy that when Jesus, there was a crazy storm on the Sea of Galilee, he asked Jesus, who had been walking on the water, can I come out to you? Incredible display of faith. But the, and he did. But it's the same Peter as he began walking out, began to notice the size of the waves and also began to sink. High, low, all in the same moment. This same Peter um, pledged to stick with Jesus even if everybody else walked away from him. I am gonna be there for you. But in the very same moment in that later on in that same sequence, when Jesus needed him the most, Peter denied he even knew him three times, high and low. After Jesus had resurrected from the dead in John chapter 21, he restores Peter relationally to himself and to the mission of what he was calling him to as an apostle, huge high. But in that very same conversation, Peter's like, but what about this guy? What are you gonna do with him? And Jesus is like, just don't worry about him. Let's worry about you, a low. And you see a pattern developing that Peter experiences, and I think we can relate to this. Times in our lives when we live faithfully and obedient to God that can be followed sometimes in the very next moment, the very next breath, with what appears to be faithlessness and foolishness. And I actually think there's something powerful when we understand that was the life of Peter, and we can relate to it, maybe God could also do something with our lives because sometimes we only focus on the lows. Look in your notes, Peter's life resembles yours in lots of ways, and if God could use Peter so powerfully, then you know that he wants to use you in spite of all your swings and misses. So take to heart, as we even dive into this book, Peter is not someone who is unaccustomed to living faithfully for Jesus, but then also failing hugely with Jesus. And the reality is we can understand and relate to those realities. Back to the book, back to 1 Peter, 
we would look through, uh, biblical scholars would help us understand that the book of First Peter was written from Rome while Peter was probably in prison. And it was probably written sometime between 62 and 64 AD. The reason why that's so important, it was probably before the incredible um, suffering and persecution that Jesus's church would face. But what's powerful is, is that Peter, and again, because God's always aware of everything in the picture, not just the things we see in this moment, much of Peter's letter is written about the reality of suffering. So Peter wrote to people who were beginning to suffer persecution, but the worst was still yet to come. And it would be those foundational truths that would see them through really, really difficult times. He's very clear to say who these elect exiles are specifically. He's writing to a group of people. They're not cities. They're actually regions that would reflect more like the size of states in our U.S. kind of consideration. Take a look at the map. These areas are actually what is today modern-day Turkey. Most of modern-day Turkey are the places you saw us talk about Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. That area is who Peter specifically writes to, uh, followers of Jesus in that space. And so that helps us get a little bit of a thought. And then when we consider the specific audience and the specific purpose to which Peter writes, listen to these great words from a commentary writer. He said, the tone of 1 Peter is a warm pastoral one, full of encouragement, The exhortations are addressed to Christians who are scattered over a wide area. They share a common faith with Christians everywhere and face common problems. Their basic problem is to live for God in the midst of a society ignorant of the true God. Think about what Pastor George shared earlier tonight about statistics and generations. That is so true of us today. Peter's pastoral purpose is to help these early believers see their temporary sufferings in the full light of the coming eternal glory. That's so good. What a great synopsis of the book and what Peter's out to do. And you're gonna sense that same thing. Even though the book was written specifically in the first century to these people, we understand that's the beauty of scripture. It applies and is truly written to every follower of Jesus throughout all of time. And so we're gonna find some great ways to be encouraged along the way. Peter specifically identifies his audience as God's elect exiles who are scattered. Let's talk about those key words, elect and exile, to make sure we have a good understanding because that's gonna be the foundation of the rest of our time is understanding what being an elect exile is all about. The concept of election shows up all over the Bible, Old and New Testament, and when it does, it's usually for the purpose of being able to demonstrate encouragement to those that God has foreknown and called to be his own, that they would recognize God has been about this even before I was born, even before I even looked to him, he was already looking to me and he had chosen me. It's a powerful concept and written for that purpose of giving encouragement. The word exile though is powerful too. Look in your notes. It's translated from a Greek word that means someone passing through, watch this, but still with personal relationship with the people in that locale. Someone passing through, but someone with personal relationship to the people in that locale, meaning it's not a nomad. Nomads are people who would travel but would not necessarily ever interact with people outside of their little circle. Exiles are people who are transplanted into somewhere else that's not their home, but they do develop relationships with those they live among. That is a powerful definition 
For what I was mentioning earlier in HDC change about being ambassadors, but it's a powerful thing too when you consider, remember what Jesus said to his disciples in his prayer in John 17, Father, I'm gonna ask you to help them be a people who are in the world, but not of the world in the world, but not of the world. We're not people who seclude ourselves and simply just hunker down and wait for Jesus to come back. This is gonna be a huge theme, by the way, in First Peter, Jesus is coming back. But the reality is, is that while we wait for him, we engage with those who don't know Christ yet. And that's what these exiles do, that's who they are. They recognize where their home is, and the reality is that along the way, they are still a people who are on mission. Can I be very clear from the very beginning of this book study? I believe we are in for an incredibly tumultuous season in 2024. I think another election year, and there were so many other complicating things to 2020, but I think we're naive to think this is gonna be a smooth sail. And I wanna tell you from the beginning, that's exactly why I chose this book because I think this book may be better than any other book in the Bible, best prepares us to understand who we are and to understand how we're to relate and interact with a world that looks like it's going crazy. And I gotta tell you, I'm excited. And that's why we're doing this book at the front of the year and not waiting until the fall, because we wanna get a good foundation for when the crazy continues, we'll be able to go, okay, but I remember some things that God said specifically are true about me, specifically true about his people, and specifically true about his purpose. And that's what this is for, that's what I'm excited about. Look in your notes, begin now, this first weekend of 2024, to understand whose you are and how God's elect exiles are to engage our worlds in our days. How are we to engage our worlds, our relational worlds in our days? Briefly, as we wrap up, you'll note that Peter talks about, he mentions each person of the triune Godhead, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And he, and he does something very powerfully. He mentions their role uniquely in his reader's salvation. He mentions that the Father has chosen them out of a foreknowledge. He mentions that the Spirit is sanctifying them. He mentions that through Jesus, that they're called to be obedient to him and they're sprinkled by his blood. So look in your notes. You have been chosen by the Father. You have been purchased by the Son. That concept of sprinkled with his blood means that his blood was shed so you could be right. And finally, and set apart by the Spirit. All three members, all three persons of the Godhead are actively involved in your salvation. Chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, and sanctified, continuing to grow into that maturity that Pastor George talked about earlier tonight through the Spirit of God. And what is the message that Peter, giving all this initial context, what does he at least initially want them to know? Grace and peace be yours. Man, as you're starting 2024, I guarantee you hear those words and you realize, man, I could show you some of that. Grace and peace would be just a wonderful blessing in my life right now. When you hear that, you recognize Peter was writing these words to you just as much as he was to an initial audience in 62 AD. I'm excited to dive into this book. We'll pick it up next week from here. Let me pray.
Father God, we come before you tonight on this first weekend of a new year, a, a, a very different kind of service. But God, with this goal of being able to share, this is where we believe you're leading us to, to, to continue to fortify, God, the things that you have made so important to High Desert Church. We are a people who are preparing generations of world changers. And in these three initiatives, God, would you use them for your glory? Would you use them for our good and for the people, God, that we're gonna be able to influence? And we look so forward. I thank you for Pastor Kurt and for Pastor George, the work that they have devoted to get ready to be able to share this information and to be able to launch these initiatives this next month. This month right now is so exciting. So God, we pray in advance you'd use them powerfully in our church. And as we think about, God, this book written uh, to elect exiles in modern-day Turkey, we realize we are those elect exiles in 2024. God, give us an understanding. Give us a, a, an ability to wrap our arms around what it is that we need to be and, and whose it is that we are so we can live out the citizenship that you are making clear to us in a way that provides influence of Jesus in our world. You may be here tonight and you would say, Todd, I, I don't know about being an ambassador for Jesus because I haven't yet actually responded to his invitation in the gospel. And I would just want you to know that invitation is always ready for you. Would you A, admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior? Would you B, believe that Jesus is the only savior available? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you believe that Jesus was true and real and accurate in what he said? Or would you see choose? Would you choose to say, Jesus, I need what you've done for me at the cross? I need your righteousness in place of my sin. And I choose to follow you the rest of my life. You can make that decision even before you leave your chair tonight. And I pray you wouldn't hesitate another moment before you do. Father, this week, encourage and inspire us to continue to live out your purpose for our lives. We love you and we pray in Jesus' great name, amen.